Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. In Psalms, an interesting verse, Psalms 51 and verse number 17. And today is um, very special to me, uh, simply because we're looking at space and we're talking about moving to a location. And I just have a lot of heavy-heartedness about looking at this particular subject called broken. And as we open this, I I can tell you that I'm qualified to teach this lesson. <laughs> Because I've been through a lot of brokenness in life. My wife has helped me so many times. My sweet Sarah. I'll deal with fallout and complications of brokenness as I grew up. And uh, and I'm grateful for the Holy Ghost that just washes over in perfection and just heals and keeps healing. Amen? And so I want to just talk to you a little bit out of this verse uh, Psalms 51 verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. I want to say a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Brokenness in the scripture is a, is a Greek word, shabar, which means to break or break down or break into pieces. Literally, to wreck or collapse. That's what this says. If you've come to me and you're wrecked, you've had everything collapse in on your life. God said, I'm not going to despise that. In fact, he's, he, he loves that because he can do good things with broken pieces. Amen? We are the only ones that don't like broken things. We, in America, we throw out broken things. In fact, if it's, uh, we get to the end of winter here and we start throwing out floor mats and we start throwing out all kinds, I mean, you just, you, you get to January and you throw out sometimes your old calendar, all the stuff you did last year, and you just get a brand new calendar, you know? We just throw things out, and it's just a commonplace in our society. And so it's not uncommon that when we see something broken in somebody, we don't see value in them. Because our value assessment of things is if it's broken, then get a new one. Or if it's broken, you need to fix it. And if it won't be fixed, obviously you need a new one. So... I, I'm a person that's not real handy. <laughs> Maybe you guys are handy. But I, I break more than I fix if I try to fix things. So I know what it's like to not find value in broken things. I'm like, well, we'll get another. You know, we'll find another. But the Bible actually says that a contrite spirit, I wonder what that means, our contrite heart. It, it actually means collapse physically and mentally to be crushed or broken uh, a friend of mine was telling me a story about they went through Taco Bell and they had gotten an order and one of the children wanted um, wanted nachos like and they had bought them a corn taco and so the child comes up in the minivan is like mom I got a taco I don't want a taco I wanted nachos and she reaches back and goes there you go you got nachos <laughs> brilliant I was like I gotta do that sometime. It's like all all that needed to take place was 
she just needed to break them, and then he had nachos. I, sometimes I feel like, as weird as that analogy is, I feel like sometimes if we come to the, the Lord and we're just whining about things, and we're like, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't, something didn't go right. I, I really want something different. I don't like my marriage this way. I don't like my children this way. I don't know how to fix things. And God just goes, <laughs> there you go. That's fixed. Just break, and then let me heal. There's only... There's only a few things you can bring, you can do with broken pottery. It's interesting that God calls us earthen vessels, because when pottery sets, it hardens and it cures, and when it breaks, you cannot fix it. There used to be something in the scriptures called the potter's field. Have you ever ever heard of the potter's field in scripture? It was literally the space behind the potter's house in scripture. In those days, first century church, they had a potter and he would make and craft vessels on a wheel of clay. And they were always imperfect. There was never a place where a pottery vessel like this, these ones that I've brought, which obviously these are manufactured because I got them from Walmart. (laughs) So I can't prove that there's, but there's some imperfections, you know, they're made of clay. And um, so what would happen was whenever the potter made a vessel and it, it cracked or it broke it was or it was brought back to the potter as a broken vessel, he would throw it out in the back field. And it was called the potter field, a place where broken things lived. And he could not do anything with it after it had been cured, just like this particular vessel is cured. But when a friend of mine, uh, just an acquaintance, Lee Stone King was traveling through Jerusalem. He stopped at a place called the Potter's House, and it was a literal working pottery place. And now it's popular for you to go with your date to Mequon and do pottery. They have little pottery classes you can do, and this is the thing to do if you want to be romantic, you know, go do pottery. I don't know. I can't tell you. I've never done pottery. I've never looked at a potter's wheel and go, wow, that is so romantic. It's just not me. <laughs> but what he found out was he talked to the potter. He said, you have a potter's field out back. He said, yes, that's where all the broken shards are. You don't want to walk out there. You could hurt yourself. And he said, why do you throw them out there? He said, because I don't have the time to repair them. He said, what do you mean repair them? I thought they were no longer of value. They had no use. That's broken. You start over. It's easier. He said, it's easier to begin with new clay than it is to fix a cured vessel. He goes, but if I would put a cured vessel in water and I would begin to work on it, he goes, I can slowly bring it back to where I can mold it again into a new vessel. And he never heard that before. And it was so amazing to him that when the Bible talks about Jesus being betrayed, it talks about them using that money and they went and they bought a field. And the field that they purchased was a potter's field. So whenever we find an analogy in scripture that we are all earthen vessels and we're cracked and we have problems and we have relationship issues and trust issues, everyone has issues, amen? And we have issues that take place and sometimes, I'm going to put the microphone down. Sometimes life can chisel at us a little bit. Do you think this will break very easily? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't try this analogy before. I gave you right now. <laughs> but you don't need much to crack an earthen vessel. And sometimes life just keeps on chiseling at you, and you're like, I, yeah, that, that hurt, but I can make, you know, I can keep on going. And the interesting thing, the interesting thing about relationships 
in earthen vessels is when you crack them, they will still hold a certain amount of water. But the contents that's held inside of a vessel that's broken begins to leak. And when you get your trust broken, you begin to leak constantly. So there's times whenever you want to trust, but you just don't know that you can. Because no matter how much you put into the trust, there's something, it just ebbs away, it just leaks out. And so you can continue to work on trying to fix yourself, but somebody somewhere is always interested in continuing to wear you down. Now, relationships just happen like this, just the way it is. Relationships takes, takes a beating, amen? Life has a way of doing that. I mean, even in your own relationship, you you know that when you're just like two ships passing the night because you're working heavy schedules, it, it it doesn't seem like you were doing that bad. And then all of a sudden, sometimes you just tap. It's just almost like the camel that broke the the straw that broke the camel's back. If there are cracks and fissures and places in your life that you have not addressed. You can think you're doing okay, but all of a sudden, one tap, one place where where a brokenness comes or something happens, you can actually be crushed and fall apart. And then those pieces seem valueless. I mean, they seem as though they're not even worth anything. But the Bible actually talks to us in Psalms 119 verse 2 that we're blessed to be broken. It doesn't make any sense. And the Bible actually tells us to be thankful for brokenness. How could we be thankful for being broken? But because God blesses brokenness, whenever life does what just happened here to you, or whenever promises get broken, or, or even health in your body gets broken, the Bible says that God will not despise that brokenness. In fact, he wants us to be thankful for it. And the only way that we can be thankful for such things is if we know Isaiah 57 and 15 says that he will not push us away. He'll actually bring us into him and he will take care of us because for some reason when we're less, he's greater. He, he has a concept. God is God, amen? And if you want to be God, great. Go get your own universe. That's okay. But as long as you're in his world, you need to live by his ruled because he made it. Amen? So I think it's very important that we understand that whenever God is working on us, he's not the only one speaking and loving and trying to help us. There's others around us that that care about us, and there's others around us that look at the broken pieces of our life and think, God can fix that if you just surrender it to him. And so whenever you get into the church, all of a sudden you see smiling people and happy people. And they, you don't understand, why, why are you so happy? Do you know what kind of week I had? Do you know how difficult life can be at times? Do you know how hard it is to be a good dad in this society that we're in? Do you know what it's like to try to love your kids and all they want to do is look at their iPod or their... <laughs> you, know, you know, they say that kids', kids attitudes improve when the Wi-Fi signal goes up. <laughs> don't because they're not, they're not all online, you know. Somehow we have to understand that the church isn't just a bunch of smiling, ignorant people. It's not that we think that because because you've joined a church or because you've come into the body of Christ that you don't have problems. It's because we know that God can repair anything and everything that we bring in pieces. And so this is the only place, the only place in this world that could ever have that kind of assertion is in the church because Jesus, our Savior, was utterly 
utterly crushed, bruised, and broken. And in his breaking, he purchased the church of the Almighty God. I'm grateful to God that the bruising of my Savior brought healing to me. Because when I'm in pieces on the floor, and when I think there is just no way you can put this back together, he said, would you come to me because I have a broken heart on a cross experience that says you can be resurrected. You can have hope. And I know this because the devil often talks to us through our brokenness. I live a life of brokenness. My family, I don't know why I keep having pottery shards all over me. <laughs> Guess I must be breaking stuff up here. It's fun to break things, isn't it? Yeah. Told somebody the other day the other day, I think a bunch of guys like to break things, but sometimes promises get broken. I grew up in a home where a lot of promises were broken and just you know, shortly after I became um my mo- my mother married again. And shortly after that, the the man that she married didn't seem to be the man that he really was. He seemed to be a nice guy when we first met him. But then all of a sudden, his promises started changing into difficult situations. And pretty soon, abuse started entering into the home. and, and, And it chiseled away at me. And then I found myself literally not able to trust any promises anymore. When people would make me promises, I was like, okay, sure. Probably not going to happen. But I literally could not deal with the fact that I couldn't trust people. Anybody ever have trust issues? Am I the only one? And so, whenever it came to dreams, I didn't believe that I could ever see the dreams that I had in my life because I was so broken in that area. And so, as life went on, my stepdad went to jail for the abuses that he caused in our family. My mother married four times. I could not trust a man. I could not believe that a man, that someone that would walk into my life as a man, had good intentions for our relationship. And so, I set out on some dreams, and I wanted to do things And I was like, how am I going to do all that I'm dreaming with all this brokenness hidden behind it? And as I began to seek the the word of the Lord, I was like, God, I don't know why you would call me to preach. Why would you call me to do this when I deal with brokenness? And he was like, you don't understand. I don't call you for your strength. God, you see, the, the world pays you for your strengths. The world pays you because you're good at mathematics and English and some of us aren't. <laughs> Just aren't. <laughs> but the world pays you according to what you're good at and what you've become excellent at. And if you are world class, then you get world class earnings. Amen? If you're a professional football player, it's because you've honed your skills and your body to play at that level. And so people often look at people according to their strengths but if we don't understand that in the church that's not how that's not how we're supposed to value each other because if i just hold up my strengths if i've never had any brokenness in my life and i just hold that up every time someone comes near me and i'm like well hey i'm an awesome drummer and hey i'm awesome at this and hey you get you can't 
even touch me on a basketball court, I'll break ankles. And, you know, you know, if I just hold up the stuff that I'm good at, guess what that does? It just creates a competition. And so God actually builds his church on weakness so that there is no one that can say, I'm good because I was good at it. I got in the church because I was great and I had these strengths. God can use your strengths, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't usually, 99.9% of the time, he doesn't use your strengths as a ministry. He used the places where you're broken. And I was like, God, if you're ever going to use me to do something amazing, if you're ever going to, why are you putting these dreams in my vessel? Why are you giving me so much longing and passion to see people helped and hope come into lives and homes? And, and, and why have you given me a love for your word and, and, a, and this tenderness in my heart for your spirit? Whenever I've got so much broken in me, you can only fill me to this level because I can't take more than that because I don't know what to do with it. And yet he says, if you come to me, I will take the broken places of your life and I will fulfill the dreams that I put into you because I don't want you to get the glory. I want you to always know that the brokenness is there. But I want you to always know that what I give you is for my glory. See, God doesn't want us to glory in his presence. So that's why he uses clay pots. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 it's a very powerful verse. And sometimes, before I share this verse with you, sometimes the enemy will come to you and say, you can't do that. You're cracked. You're chipped. And now some of us, we just have like little chips on the edges. And so we think we're better than others. We have this, these little Mars, and we put a little makeup on it. <laughs> we put a little, little cover-up or something on it. And we're like, hey, we're good. We're good. I, I look. I look pretty nice, you know. Or, or, or we we work out a lot. Anybody work out a lot in the room because we want our health to look good, amen. Because we think that if other people look at us, I I was going through line, the line with another minister and he was getting his food and he apologized four times for the food he was putting on his plate. I was like, dude, what's wrong with you, man? I don't care about what he's like. Oh, I'm I'm low carb or I'm I'm high carb. He was trying to say what kind of diet he was on. I said, "Man, I don't care about your health." You know, that's not I I do, but I don't. Um if you want to if you want to load up on Taco Bell and go to Jesus early, <laughs> if you want to have a heart attack in the sack, you you go right ahead. You're going to get to glory land before me. That's all that's going to go on there. I have more to do here in life, I feel, than just to live my life according to the whims. And you know what? Even because we're broken, that doesn't give you a license to have that third piece of pie, you know? You're not like, I'm so broken, I have no discipline, you know? That's not, that's not broken. That's not literally weakness. That's undisciplined lifestyle. And so I'm not talking about a weakness like where you just won't educate yourself and you won't pull yourself out of the cycle that you're in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a weakness when you try to do good, but you fall short. And when you, you try to live for God, but something sneaks up on you and sin creeps in. Creeps in. And I'm talking about that. That's really what Paul meant when he said, I want to do good, but the good I want to do, I, I don't. 
because I live in this vessel that's cracked, you know. And so whenever I think I can do great things for God, that great, we have to realize, is his greatness, not our greatness. And the good that we do, we're just another do-gooder if it's not his goodness doing the good. You see what I'm saying? So if we get a true understanding that God in us is the work done through us, then we change our entire perspective about the value of each individual person sitting in here. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7, you find these words, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. See, the treasure, like I'm talking about, is in us. The goodness is in us. So the scripture tells us that God uses cracked pots. One lady, worked, one lady wrote a book. She said, God, God uses cracked pots. And um, I think that's true. <laughs> Some of us, a little more cracked than others. But um, not in this church. That's a different church. Uh, and then this church. But he said he won't despise brokenness in our life. And so in my life, I grew up not knowing what a man should be like. Didn't understand what a man, how a man should treat a woman. And so when I got married, I, I asked God for a strong father-in-law. And he gave that to me. Drives me insane. Uh, but he's so strong that he can stretch a dollar further than anybody I know. And he can fix anything. So the goodness about that is God knows better than we know what we need. Amen? And so he's taught me how to be more frugal. I've actually changed the way I am. I used to be the spender in the family. Anybody the spender here? Don't put your hand up. Anybody the saver in the family? Any savers? Yeah. Um I was the spender. My wife was the saver. Now I'm much more miserly. I'm much more careful with money. I much more understand. I can fix stuff now. I literally can fix things. It's amazing. Um, so I'm learning and I'm growing and it's all the work of God. But I'm grateful that God knows more than I do. Amen. How many know God's smarter than new? We didn't, get, we didn't quite get 100% there, so I'm a little concerned. <laughs> but... God knows more than us. And so he put a treasure in an earthen vessel, a place that can be broken so that the treasure is the most predominant feature of our life, not the strengths of our life. And so that's what I want to talk to you about more than anything else. The greatest thing that comes from this treasure in earthen vessels, God's spirit inside of us, is that it creates a ministry out of us. Each person is a minister. Minister is used very loosely in the King James Version. It's used for any kind of ministry. If you if you smile at somebody, it's a ministry. <laughs> you can have the ministry of joy and, and happiness. Literally, you can walk in a room and brighten a room. I know Maurice does that. My buddy Maurice back there, he, he can make people happy just by looking at him. He'll walk in, hey, how's it going? And everybody's like, hey, Maurice is here, all right. And then just a little bit of happiness comes in the room. He's like the big sunshine to all of our cloudy day. And so he's got a ministry through that. And so it's not that we don't have things we need to apologize to God for when we mess up. It's not that those things are not necessary for us to deal with. But God takes weakness and makes us strong in that weakness. And then use that strength to minister to others. And so we have to prove that through making that treasure in these earthen vessels the most important thing. Our faults, our flaws... Our bruises, the damage that we took on, it can be put behind you. 
Paul said, I reach for those things that are ahead and forget those things that are behind. If you leave an umbilical cord stuck to your past hurts, you will never reach for what's in front of you because you will constantly nurse the present on what you were instead of where you're going. And if you don't change your mindset of where you're going, you will never become that because thinking it precedes action. So you guys know this, that if you constantly look at yourself as I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm damaged goods, I'm not worth anything, guess what? You will ruin the best marriage you could ever have by thinking that way. Because you think, I'm not worthy of them, they're, they're, they're just putting up with me in this relationship. We're married, but you know what, you see what I'm saying? You can ruin the greatest things in your life by being attached to the damage of your past. And so God comes with blood and covering and a new life and new hope and new joy and a spirit to fill us, to give us life on the inside so that when we feel like I'm just being put up with, I'm just, I got these damages, he speaks back to those negative thoughts to us and said, no, you're my child. No, you're set free. No, you're not bound in chains any longer. You've been delivered and you, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. My help just showed up. Thank you, Lord. I feel like telling somebody that don't focus on the broken, focus on the healer, focus on the treasure in these earthen vessels. Mm, That is so good because I can't fix anybody here. I can't make you better, but I can point to the one that can make you better. Because he can heal, and he can deliver, and he can set free. So by the time I was 18, my cousin introduced me to pornography. And addictive behavior just came out of me. Because I was so broken. And by the time I got to Bible college, it took two weeks of prayer and fasting for me to break the chains off my life. And even to this day, I have guards in the areas where I once were. I don't go back there. But I protect myself. I have electronic protection. I have stuff all around me that guards me. Why? Because I don't trust myself. You absolutely are right. I don't trust my flesh. And we shouldn't trust our flesh. The Bible says we should walk after the Spirit. And they that walk after the Spirit will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The flesh never stops lusting. That's the problem. The flesh never stops being broken. Because we don't get saved in our flesh. We get saved in our spirit and our soul. So we have to live with this broken vessel. And even though it's broken, I can tell you if you guard the broken places, God can use you and bless you in that brokenness because you can tell others, I was there, but I came out. I was down, but I got up. I didn't have any hope, but I found Jesus, the greatest hope. And your testimony becomes a ministry. Your life's lesson is lived, not preached. People look at you and go, how did you ever make good on alcoholism in your home and sexual addictions and and broken stuff and just damaged. And I would say nobody saw value in me, but God did. Something got into our life. Sin entered the world. Sometimes things can get into our life and they're an irritant to us. You've heard the illustration of an oyster when they open their shell. An oyster lives in something it doesn't create. And it will swell up and open the shell just enough so that the ocean currents will let 
nutrients pass through and it will close and feed on those things that pass through the current as its food. But sometimes the current is too strong and it'll blow a grain of sand into the oyster. And that oyster, in an attempt to deal with that irritant, will secrete layers of mothers of mother of pearl and secrete layer upon layer and that irritant just sets in there in the oyster and it doesn't know what to do with it because it can't get it out. And it just begins to secrete and secrete and it covers it in layers and those layers eventually turn into what's known as one of the most beautiful things in the world and that's a pearl. And our life is the same. Sometimes the irritants that come into our life and the, the broken places and the things that are not pleasant the the part of our testimony maybe even that's not for public consumption it's like uh, it's complicated (laughs) it's not going to talk about that those are the places where God can bring the most beauty and the most value and people look at your life though you had to live it they look at your life and they go wow and they don't say look what you did hopefully not because then you're not giving God glory. They say, look what God did. Sometimes the bruising and the damages, we think God will not work through them, but Matthew 12, 20 and 21 says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He won't put it out. In fact, he'll build it up. Jesus will not break what's been bruised. Yes, we're weak. Yes, we're damaged. I know that we have emotional weaknesses. We have Some of us have intellectual weaknesses. We're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, some of us have intellectual strength in one area and intellectual weakness in another. Have you ever run into that one? Where you're like a monster at work and you're really good at what you do and you go home, <laughs> try to change a light bulb <laughs> and you do something wrong. Um, there's different areas where we're weak. Um, relationally, we can be have weaknesses. We can have weaknesses in our financial area, in, in budgets and different things. Maybe we don't even have a budget. Maybe we just run on what we can run on. But some of us have fashion weaknesses. <laughs> I've learned to get dressed according to my wife's face. I'm like, how's this look, honey? She's like, I'm like, okay, I'll change. <laughs> So if I ever come to church and I look horrible, you know Sarah wasn't there that morning. <laughs> Some of us have fashion weaknesses. Anybody want to admit to that one? Oof. That one's hard to repair. So the issue is not do I still have weaknesses, because I do. We all do. Um, the issue is what is God using our weaknesses to do? What is he using our weaknesses for? Some people are obviously oblivious to their weaknesses. Have you ever met somebody like that? They, they don't even know that they're causing problems, but they're being a problem. And those aren't the weaknesses I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that because we do deny our weaknesses. I don't have that. And we defend. Oh, that's a big one, right? We defend our weaknesses and we defer our weaknesses. We use, by defending, we use excuses and we defer it by hiding it. Because the North American mask that everyone wears is, I'm okay, you're okay. Don't bother me with your troubles, I won't bother you with my troubles. That's what the world's like. But that's not what this church is like. Church says we're supposed to lift each other's burdens. We're supposed to be there for each other. We're supposed to care for one another. And that's not being nosy or being a tailbearer. 
That's not looking for something to talk about. That's walking up to somebody in love and saying, I want to help you. Can I help you this week? Can I do something for you? And if there's nothing I can do physically, is there something I can pray about? That's the kind of church I want to be in. Amen. So, the greatest thing that I want to close with is this. Isaiah 55, 6-9. God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And so, it's dangerous for us to think that God's only going to use us in the strong areas of our life. I used to think that way, Jason. I used to really think that if I was good at something, God would use me there. And the more I noticed, I see, I was, I grew up in this. I'm a fourth generation Pentecostal in the sense that I know what it's like to spit and scream and run the aisles and dance and shout and climb the walls and bite the ceiling and, you know, <laughs> Swing from the chandeliers, God is great, and greatly to be praised. You know, play the drums all my life, and you know, I knew what it was like to have church. You have a good old time, but I saw people doing all that and going out and still living the same life. And I saw people sit in church for 15 years, and you'd ask them a simple question about the Word of God, and they didn't have the knowledge. They literally had missed it having a good time, dancing and juking and jiving. And so I'm not, I was thinking that I'd have a church like that. Like we'd preach, you don't know what it's like when God gets old. You know, I thought I was going to have that kind of church when I grew up if God used me. God said, I'm going to help you to learn how to teach. Teach. That's awesome. Way to go, God. Learn how to teach. Learn how to use illustrations where people go, God, that's me right there. I see me in the word of God and God uses people like that. He uses a broken David and he uses Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are the only ones standing when everyone else caved in. And he uses people like Esther who for such a time as this and he uses people that you wouldn't even expect to be used. So a ministry often comes out of your weakness. Let me tell you that no flesh is going to glory in God's presence. And so if God is here and his presence is close, I want to give all of what I am to ministry. I'll be a minister for him. How about you? Would you be willing to do that today? Paul said, I become all things to all men. Would you bow your head with me and let me just pray that God would help us to receive this because I, I, I want an atmosphere of reception at, at this, this moment. Lord, the greatest weakness does not keep us from the greatest ministry. The places where we fall are often places where we find out that we can help others not to fall. God, in the traps that the enemy sets for us and the mindset that he throws at us where you're not good enough, you've, you've gone too far, you've fallen too far. Those are not the words of our master and savior. Those are not the message that we need to hold on to. We need to realize that you said, Jesus, all is finished on the cross, that the work is done, there's completion in you. So let us all become able ministers 
this week, somehow, some of us, even if it's just teaching algebra or if it's teaching a student or if it's helping somebody as a parent at a parent-teacher conference or if it's, if it's doing something that others think is just menial everyday task, we can be a minister in that and we can help somebody who's had an irritant come into their life and they don't know what to do with it and they've, they've tried layer upon layer of different things to fix it and they don't know where to turn but we can offer them Jesus and he He can be the mother of pearl. He can be the thing that creates value and beauty in their life out of the things that seem to be the greatest irritation to them and the greatest problem. I'd ask you, Jesus, to help us to understand that no sin is too deep for the grace of God. And in this house today, we let your grace become greater and we let our brokenness become less. And we thank you for brokenness, for it's in that we are diminished and you are glorified. Because nobody will be glorious, nobody will stand and take their name on a mission or on accomplishment. Nobody will ever glory in your presence, Jesus. And I close with this, Revelations 12 and 11. And these words are found about the church the last day. If you put a Revelations 12 and 11 up there, I want you to know that my testimony is one of walking out of the darkest places of life and letting God use me to pull others into that light that I found. I'm just a beggar that found crumbs at Jesus' table. But I want to be used to feed others in the same way. It says, And they overcame and by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their, uh-oh. What's that? That is our weakness made strong. And the Bible says to Paul, when Paul prayed, he prayed a prayer multiple times. He had some sort of thorn in the flesh, something he dealt with. Some actual small group of scholars actually believed it was a mother-in-law, a mean mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 harsh. <laughs> but they thought it might have been something with his eye because he said, "Look how I write in large letters." They thought maybe it was an eye problem that he had, some sort of eye issue. But he prayed, "God, I've seen miracles. I've seen you touch Asia Minor and I've seen you work through all my missions trips, but why won't you heal me this broken thing in me? Why won't you heal it?" And God responds with My grace is sufficient. My grace is bigger than the broken. And he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because see, in God, there is no weakness. He's raw, pure power. And for God to have a place to flow, he needs to have something less than to be drawn to because the greater is always drawn to the lesser and so when there's this spiritual thing that happens in us where we take our testimony and we give it to God and he covers it with grace and makes it beautiful and makes it into a ministry and out of all of that he says my strength is made perfect in weakness when our weakness 
meets God's perfect strength, it finds its own perfection. Because without weakness, his strength has nothing to do but be perfect. But when he takes the broken and he stands them up again, when he takes the shattered marriage and he molds them back together, when he takes the child who's abused and broken, hurt, and he makes them a contributor to society and a changer of lives, his strength is made perfect in them and perfection is found. You see what I'm saying? So your testimony is what said gets you to heaven. Now we have to be saved, we know that. But this scripture says that the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is what saves us and helps us overcome. But just as much, the attachment is the broken life that's blessed. The testimony from the test, the triumph from the trial, all of that. God is good, amen to give us so many blessings. Stand with me, would you? Jesus, I pray over these sweet people today. I ask you to send us in your presence. Send us with your glory. Let your life be our life. You won't despise us even if we come broken. You won't turn us away. You're not a hostile God who says that's not something I can use anymore. You're too broken. You never look down on us that way. So God, would you fix the bruised areas of our life? Would you use the broken places in each one of us as we have imperfections, all of us, in earthen vessels? But would you take us and would you put us back on the wheel where we're shattered and just begin to work us and mold us and help us again? Because the Bible says that through your death, what purchase was made so that you would be betrayed and go to the cross, that money purchased the potter's field and you purchased all of us broken vessels back so that you could use us for your glory thank you today glorify yourself in us we pray in jesus name and everyone said amen i want to ask you if you take a moment of prayer would you let god ruminate this thing in you would you let it just begin to touch every area of your life if you want to kneel and pray or sit and pray take a moment with the Lord I wouldn't want to leave here without having time in his presence but let it affect every area let this testimony of your life be grown to the point where you understand it's going to minister to somebody it's going to help somebody let your perfection be in us God bless you today